This is Chris Voss, former FBI hostage negotiator and author of Never Split the Difference, telling you that everything in life is a negotiation. And if you want to hone your negotiating skills, you should be starting every Monday with the Waste No Day podcast. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning, Waste No Day. Now here's your host, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste Snow Day podcast. Your hosts, Nate and Brian, hanging out with you again and looking forward to a great episode today. We have Sandy Hine from the Black Swan Group on with us today. That's right, another Black Swan Group person who is going to be bringing absolutely great information. We're looking forward to talking with her today about some of the basic foundational elements of communication that will directly apply to what you can do right now in the home or to the next house that you're going to. It's going to be a good conversation and Sandy is just a total blast. So we're looking forward to having a good time with her today, but we're going to spend just a minute or two talking about this idea for you ourselves. And we're going to turn to Brian for our quote. It's not always about being nice. It's not about liking them or getting them to like you necessarily. I worked sex crimes for 12 years. Do you think I liked the people I was dealing with? Sandy Hine. Uh, yeah. I saw that one coming. A great YouTube video. She's probably, I don't know, she probably says this several times throughout her training, but it is a stark reminder that, you know, there, there is that research that people who like you are more prone to doing business with you. But also you have, we all have people we deal with, like doctors in particular have this thing um, where they're just very authoritative. Like you trust them. You don't necessarily want to go have a beer with them but you trust them. They are an authority. Uh, and I love that quote of hers that oftentimes you can take the likability piece out of it and still get the sale and still get whatever you're looking for in the negotiation, if you will. Yeah. And it is always a negotiation, right? I mean, everything in life really is in terms of when you are coming across somebody who is not yourself. And I mean, we even spend time arguing with ourselves. So one could say that we are constantly living in a negotiation. But for all of you in the trades who are going in and out of houses on a regular basis, you're dealing with another person. And whether it feels like it or not, a negotiation is happening. You're trying to explain your side of the story. They're trying to explain their side of the story. And there has to be a coming together of where those two paths cross. And so many times, if the correct journey or steps or path or direction is not taken, we miss the point. And we may never actually get to a place where we can come together in terms of what we need to do or how much it's going to cost or why it's happening or why it's not happening. And so negotiation, the principles behind it, and general communication is what we're going to be talking about today. And those are absolutely applicable to your everyday life for everybody who's in the home services industry and frankly, everybody in general. 100%. So we're going to talk. Uh, if you're if you're an avid listener, you know this show. We've had 
three other Black Swan Group trainers on this show. Um, if you have not heard them or it's been a while, I would recommend to coincide with this episode, catch up on the other three. They all talk generally about the same thing, but from their own different viewpoints and their stuff is, I mean, I can't say enough about it. Like their, their stuff is perfect for sales, for negotiation. It, there's never been anything better anymore to me. And I say this often, never split the difference. Chris Voss's book is the sales blueprint anymore. I, I don't know of a book that even comes close anymore. And it really changed uh, the way to go about it, but communication in general. So in, if you want to look them up, cool. If not, no big deal. Just press uh, skip forward 15 seconds right now. The Brandon Voss, who is the president of the Black Swan Group, Chris Voss's son, his episode was August 30th, 2021. And then Derek Gaunt, who was the commander of the Washington, D.C. hostage negotiation team for 20 years, I believe, author of Ego Authority Failure. He was on April 18th, 2022. And then Chris Voss, the author of Never Split the Difference, was on the show July 18th, 2022. So highly recommend this episode goes perfectly with those other three episodes. They're very entertaining, although probably not going to be as entertaining as Sandy is going to be today, but uh, they're all very easy to listen to and you will get a ton out of them. You're absolutely right, Brian. And there is a lot of information we're going to try to cover with Sandy today. And so for that reason, we're going to just cut right to that special time of the week where we highlight one of our amazing listeners for the review of the week. Brian, who are we focusing on today? Dub N D S T E M U R Steamer Murfinator 20. I bet that's our buddy Steve Murphy. My man Steve Murphy. Uh Steve is a plumbing tech for Benjamin Franklin Plumbing Lancaster, where my man Nate's at right now. Five star yes, review. I look forward to every episode. Always starts off the week right. Yeah. Thanks, Murph. I, I think it's Steve Murphy. If if not, it's got to be another Steve Murphy. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you you watch Narcos, but the main one of the two main characters in the first Narcos season was Agent Stephen Murphy. So uh, there are more than one. But uh, either way, appreciate the review, whether it's the Steve we know or not. And anyone who takes the time to leave a review, we really appreciate it. If you don't leave a review and you just listen from time to time, we still appreciate you because. Giving us an hour and a half out of your week is an investment, and we don't take that lightly. So we do mean to, as much as we can, pack as much content as possible into this hour, hour and a half, uh, hopefully two hours on this episode. Some might even say it's a discipline, Brian. Some might also say it's a punishment. <laughs> I'm not sure. But either way, we do appreciate it. And we know that you now are going to appreciate Sandy Hine as we put her in your passenger seat. Our guest today is Sandy Hine. She is a negotiation instructor and coach at the Black Swan Group. She has been with the company since December of 2011 and transitioned to a full-time role in July of 2020. Sandy began her career as a police officer in Alexandria, Virginia, 
and wore many hats during her 23-year stint, including 10 years as a hostage negotiator. She was also a certified instructor with the Virginia Department of Criminal Justice Services and served on the training faculty of the Virginia Sexual and Domestic Violence Action Alliance. Since retiring from law enforcement in 2012, Sandy has gone on to teach criminal justice to high school students, author books, and train law enforcement agents across the country in several areas, including sexual violence, crisis intervention, and hostage negotiations. With the Black Swan Group, Sandy follows her passions for teaching. She enjoys connecting with clients on a personal level and using a conversational approach to help them realize that, regardless of their personality or experience, they can use the Black Swan Method if they have the right mindset and are committed to improvement. In her spare time, Sandy is an avid reader. She has been known to peruse four to six books at a time with the help of an e-reader. In the criminal justice system, sexually based offenses are considered especially heinous. <laughs> In Virginia, the dedicated detectives who investigate these vicious felonies are members of an elite squad known as the Special Victims Unit. Welcome to the show, Sandy. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Nice wow. intro, buddy. That's, uh, yeah, that was pretty cool, actually. <laughs> no one's ever done that before. <laughs> uh, YouTube's not playing this one. <laughs> It's good to have you on the show, Sandy, and uh, we're so excited to be with you and uh, for you to be with us. We always love anybody from the Black Swan Group because they always have such great content. And we're really excited to talk to you today about uh, so many of the things that you've learned throughout your extensive history in law enforcement, hostage negotiation, and beyond, and how we can apply that to our world, which is the home services trades. So welcome here. And uh, we sure love to jump into the topic, but we always love to understand a little bit about our guest, their history, what makes them tick, you know, how they got started in whatever career they are doing and uh, what current day looks like for them as well. So why don't you give us the tour? Before you do, though, it was funny when Nate said, I'm just going to hop in there. Sorry, (laughs) jump all over you there. When Nate said, uh, our, you're into hostage negotiation and law enforcement, and we're going to see if we can bring it into our world, I was like, yeah, parenting, correct, absolutely right. So I can hear my kids screaming outside the door right now who are supposed to be very quiet for an hour. You know, as nope. soon as you tell sorry, them that. Sorry, by all means, Sandy. Very quiet for an hour. It's going to get uber noisy yeah. because that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure they hear, okay, be very close to yes, the door. Yes, knock on the door, noise. actually. Just go ahead. Come on in. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's coming. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I started in law enforcement in 1989 and worked four and a half years in midnight patrol. And then I became what, what everyone refers to as a career detective because I spent the entirety of the rest of my 23-year career there as a detective. Five years in the youth sex and abuse unit, um, three years in commercial burglary, which was... I'm not going to say it was kind of lame, but no one cares in commercial burglary because it's not personal. It's their business. And as long as insurance pays pays them back, they don't care. They get the money back and it's even hard to get them to cooperate or come to court if I do catch somebody. So that was, that was difficult. So as soon as the adult sex crimes position opened up, I moved there. And the the last 11 or 12 years of my career, I spent um, in the adult sex crimes portion of the violent crimes unit. So wow. I went, I was there for 23 years and then I got injured and it's not a good story and I'm not going to tell it because when I see people in person, they can ask me, that's an incentive for, 
people <laughs> have something to talk to me about if they ever see me in person or on a virtual event. Um, I left police work and kind of floundered around for a couple of years. Um, I appreciate what you guys do, all this tech stuff and house stuff, because I, I got really into let's do stuff to my house, right? I started painting. I painted every room. And then after that year, I didn't have a job yet because I was just kind of floundering around and enjoying retirement and going back to the store and picking new colors. And my husband was like, over my dead body, are you painting this house again? <laughs> so, yeah. So he um, saw this announcement for the high school was looking to hire a criminal justice teacher. And I was like, Eesh, you want me to go teach high school? That's brutal. And uh, so I, I, you know, I'm in retirement mode at this point, right? Two years, not working, it's just painting. And um, I fill out the application and the, at some point in the application it says, do this essay. And I said, I am not doing that. I am not writing an essay. I'm done. Essay days are over for me. And I didn't do an it. application for what? For to be a teacher, the criminal justice teacher at the oh, high school. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yep. And so I said, I'm not doing that. And I just clicked out of the application. And so, you know, probably a month later, I get a call from the high school. And I'm thinking, my daughter was a student there at the time. And I thought, why is the high school calling me? And um, so I answer the phone thinking, what has she done? You know, oh my gosh, she's an honor student, but she's in trouble for the first time ever in her life. <laughs> And I answer the phone and they say, oh, we're wondering if you would come in and interview for the criminal justice teacher position. And I said, oh, really? She said, well, I never actually applied. <laughs> she said, does that mean you don't want the job? And I'm like, no, I'll come in an interview. That's fine. Perfect. Whatever. So I go in and I, I do the interview and I get the job. And um, it's kind of cool that I'm doing this podcast here with you guys because the section of the school that I was under was career and technical education. So I okay. worked with all those yeah, I worked with all those teachers that were teaching those career and you know those technical fields. And it's really cool to see the number of students that go into those jobs and end up making really good money and having you know really good stable lives in, the, in those technical jobs. They can't afford college, even if they have the grades to go. Most of them can't afford it. And yet they end up coming out and making more money than these kids that end up going to a four-year college is what I found amusing about the whole thing. I mean, I guess it's not really funny when you think about it. Funny, funny. But when you have kids that go away to college for four years and then they have trouble finding jobs and they end up taking these, you know, starter jobs where they're barely making ends meet. And then you see the kids that are going through um, HVAC or going through um, auto mechanics or something like that and they get certified in their fields and they're making twice as much as the kids, you know, that went to college before those kids even get out of college. Yeah. You can call that comical irony. It's, I, you know, and, and, and I hate that we always encourage kids college, 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 because I have three daughters, two of them didn't go to college. It wasn't for them. So, you know, that's, that's just how it is. The third one, she ended up going, she had the brains to go and she did really well. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm proud of her, but I don't think going to college is necessary. I think that the trades are where it's at right now. So when you when you guys asked me to come on the podcast, I was like, yes, because I so support your industries and I so support the kids going straight into those industries and getting that training and having those good, stable jobs because we need these people. Um, you know, we're there's a shortage of HVAC people. I, I know this on a personal level. <laughs> there's a shortage of HVAC, HVAC people in my area. What, I'm in Northern Virginia. In I'm in Northern Virginia, so <laughs> there right, you go. Let's handle that. <laughs> Please make it happen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I love to see that. Don't oh, say no, your no. phone number, whatever you do. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'll keep that to myself. Um, but yeah, so I have a great appreciation for what you guys do, and if anybody deals in customer service in 
such a unique way, it's it's you guys because when you're talking about coming into someone's house into their environment, um, it's not much different than what we did in law enforcement where we would go in and you know, we're infringing in their territory to come in for something. I mean, granted, ours is a little you know a little more probably yeah and probably not as welcome as yours because they usually call you there and we usually show up for something they, they won't deal with so you know but you know either way it's the same kind of thing you're kind of going into their territory and having to deal with them and i i can see where that would make somebody nervous um because as a law enforcement officer you kind of had to be on your p's and q's when you went into someone's house because you never know what's around the corner i mean do they have big dogs that are going to come attack you do they are there 15 people in the other room we don't know about you know, all those things kind of make it a little bit more difficult for us. And it makes it difficult for you because a person's home is a very personal thing to them. So when you go in to fix something or do something, you're you're going into that environment and it, it kind of puts you off kilter right away. So um, and so the skills that, that we use at Black Swan worked for us when we did that in law enforcement and they will work for you, you know, in the same way when you're going into someone's house and you kind of feel a little bit... Um, awkward. Um, I know um, you guys mentioned before we came on that you know you have the, the people that say, well, you know, you need this and you need that, but they don't push it home. They don't bring that sale home like, oh, so you, you want me to do this for you right now? They don't do that. And I think part of the reason is because they feel awkward or uncomfortable because they're in someone else's environment. And so it automatically puts them a little bit, you know, it gets them a little uneasy. Sure. And it makes perfect sense because I'll, I'll always ask techs when I'm training them this portion, which is you've done a great presentation. You've made a friend, you've, uh, or at least, uh, established yourself as an authority and you're well respected and trusted and you show something, a great product, a great service. And then you just kind of both stare awkwardly at each other until the client says, if you want to give me your card, I'll stick it to the fridge and we'll call you after the weekend or whatever. And then they forget you exist and you forget they exist. But if you were with your friend and looking at friends, looking at buying your old mower and you're like hundred bucks, you're going to, you're going to end with, do you want it or not? Like, or some version of that, you know, you're going to end with like, will you take it? And we don't do that in sales. There's, there's a survey I read that 85% of salespeople or sales presentations across the country, across all industries end without a person ever being, I'll say, given the opportunity to become an owner, but without ever being asked to buy like a yes or no question. And and that's uh, huge in and of itself. Um, And I'm thinking from the perspective of being a black swan trainer, um, you know, I'm thinking if you're in that situation, what's going to, what's going to be the thing that causes you to continue the conversation what's going to be the thing that pushes pushes you to say what that uh, buyer needs to hear and this is going to sound completely ridiculous but the thing that's going to help the most is you listening to what they have to say because and this is this is (laughs) this is my area of please people pay more attention to this that i do with the black swan group because people don't know how to listen People read the book, they watch our videos, they come to our events, and they, they focus in on the skills. And it's great. Using the skills is great. It's what's going to bring it home for you. But if your mindset isn't right, and if you don't understand the steps that it takes to get you where you need to go, 
you're gonna it's, you're gonna fail every time because the people are gonna tell you exactly what they need they're gonna tell you exactly what you need to say and if you're listening you'll get it but if you're not listening whoosh, over your head you're gonna miss it and that's one of the biggest mm. problems and that's one of the things that I soapbox about a lot um, at the Black Swan group is is everybody listens so poorly that they miss the cues they miss the opportunities where they could step in and say oh it seems like that's something you'd really be interested in because they're not paying attention were you were you like taking confessions <laughs> and and um doing that oh, kind of thing absolutely. in law enforcement were you were absolutely. you um examining Oh, okay. So you, I, you I think, do know this. I think she was probably well. taking more statements than confessions. I mean, maybe no, she got lucky. No, no. Really? I, I did really well with that because, um, especially in sex crimes, because the last thing someone who commits a sex, crimes, a sex crime expects from you is you to listen to them when they're talking and for you to treat them as a human mm. because what they... Most of the time they come with, they're not a sociopath, which I dealt with a few of those, but you know, not, not fun. Those were not fun ones. Um, but those people that, that commit those crimes, when you get them in and you're talking to them and you're talking to them as if they're a human and you're using empathy, they actually, when you're not asking them any questions, because that's what we tell you, use labels. You don't have to ask questions all the time. If any question you can ask, you can turn it into a label. Um, so if you want to ask somebody why they did something, instead of saying why, because why is the worst word you can use unless you're looking for proof of life, and we can go into that more if you want to. But <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, um, this is entertaining. I don't care if we get back to the. <laughs> so trends. if if you you don't want to ask people why, why makes people defensive? Why makes you feel like you have to justify your your own existence? Um, so instead of asking somebody mm. why they did something say it seems like you have a reason for doing that and just go quiet and that's a lot of times how i would get confessions because it seems like you had a reason for doing what you did and then i didn't ask why i essentially did ask why but i didn't say why so they didn't get defensive and then they start talking about everything they start pouring their life history out to me and the key is i listened and when i listened as they paused I would throw in a mirror or throw in a label and send them in a different direction. And eventually, it took a little time, and patience is a virtue in these, in these kinds of things, they would get to the point where I was all of a sudden like the priest in their confessional, and they were telling me everything. So you say, <clears throat> you say throw in a mirror, throw in a label. What, what does throw in um, a mirror mean when you're... Okay, Nate, Nate's, Nate's uh, getting ready to be convicted of a... Here we go. <laughs> We won't. We won't play we that one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but but uh, if if you've got so you have Nate kind of pouring out his soul and and probably saying way more than he wants to say. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing at this point, what does it mean to throw in a mirror or a label well, at that point? Mirrors and labels are part of our quick two plus one, which um, you know is kind of the foundation. The, the three skills. Oh, here we go with math again. Like every <laughs> yeah. week, we got to do math. Sandy, on we have plumbers that listen out. to this, so if you could break it down a little. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Hey, I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. So there are three. I can say three skills, right? I'm not asking them to add at that point. Um, so there are three skills. Most of them have three fingers, if not okay, three cool. teeth. So we should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nate. So there are three skills that probably give the biggest return 
if you can learn to use them kind of in your everyday conversation and, and everything you say. That's labels, mirrors, and dynamic silence. Um, the mirror is basically you repeat the last one to three words or one to three words in the sentence that is what you want the person to keep talking about. And so you can do it with an upward inflection. So it sounds like a question, but there's no question buzzword. So they don't feel like they're being asked a question or if you're, they doing don't feel it, like they're being asked a question. Very good. That's a very long uh, thing. You did, though. The, you did the high inflection <laughs> now, though. I mean, the inflection yeah. was good actually, Nate, but you too many words <laughs> with a mirror. Okay. It should be like one to three. Oh, okay. If you All do right. too many words, it's, it takes away the effectiveness of the mirror because you're saying too much. You're, you're, repeating too much and you kind of then they have to focus more on what you're saying and that may cause the thought pattern interrupt um, and mirrors normally don't when they're one to three words four words five words at the absolute most but shorter is better um yes shorter is, is better very good nice mirror um, suck up, suck up. <laughs> <laughs> but you can also use a mirroring a mirror to encourage the person to keep talking so if you want a mirror with a downward inflection it's basically an oh, i get it i get what you're saying and then encouragement to keep talking. So mirrors, mirrors, what I have found, people are either really, really good at mirrors and they love them, or people are terrified of them and they don't pull them off very well because it's something that once you learn how to kind of put it into a normal conversation and it sounds normal and conversational, then it's, it's, it's unbeatable to get information quickly. And you really, it doesn't take much work. You, somebody says a sentence to you and you just pick one or two words and mirror them with an upward inflection and you send them in that direction. And a little, little key thing with mirrors, if you deal with someone who's very assertive and they talk a lot, like you know the people I'm talking about, you can't get a word in edgewise. So you're like, Ugh. at some point they have to, <laughs> at some point, <laughs> the fingers are pointing. Um, at, <laughs> I'm an accommodator okay. actually. Nate is oh, an Oh gosh, animal. I'm the only, You're the only assertive on this. I'm taking uh, on over this now. You should have right told now. me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. Out bro. comes the bull. Um, so if you if you have an assertive person who just keeps talking, 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 everyone has to breathe at some point. So as soon as they breathe, pick one or two words that they've said at some point with an upward inflection, and if they're going to keep talking, at least send them in the direction of them saying what you want to hear. You just send them in that direction. That way you don't have to interrupt. You don't have to sit there and get frustrated. All you have to do is wait for them to take a deep breath because everyone has to breathe at some point. And then you send them in that direction. Wow. So what is Send Nate in a direction real quick with something like, I mean, you're working with at least oh, Chris, Chris is, is an Uber assertive, assertive, right? Yes. It's funny because um, Chris and I... Chris Voss being yes, the, the, the CEO the main of the Black guy. Swan Group. Yes. Author of Never the, Split the, the Difference. The big guy. Um, yeah. Episode 100 of Waste No Day Podcast. <laughs> um, when Chris but, and I uh, train together, it's it's two uh, assertives. It's it's actually kind of comical because I usually end up having to, to back off and do what I refer to as playing the good cop because Chris is the guy, right? So he gets to be whichever cop he wants to be. So if he's being the bad guy, then I have to, I have to be the one that steps into a different role and, and doesn't get assertive. So it's... Um, it's funny to watch that, actually. All right. Well, let's try this out. So, Sandy, I, I got to be honest. I'm really frustrated here. Your company has been out here now two times to fix a simple issue. I, I, I went with you guys. You were the higher price, but, you know, your, your comfort advisor said that this was going to be great and that everything is going to be fine. And lo and behold, two weeks later, it wasn't fine. And now here we are 
you know, 13 plus days and I've had only seven days of air conditioning and I frankly had it. This is, this is complete baloney and I'm, I'm done. So I'm the technician responding to that or am I on the phone? You got it. What am I, what am I doing? No, um, you're a technician. Okay. So I'm the technician because I, you know what? I'm sorry, sir. It must be terribly frustrating. I know the weather's been completely hot and, and I feel terrible that you sat in that hot weather and I'm really, really sorry. You, you didn't deserve that. No, I didn't. And, and frankly, it's, I don't care how you feel because you're not the one sweating. I'm the one sweating. My family's sweating. My wife is literally up to here and like, you, you don't have to deal with it. I'm the one that's having to deal with it. I chose your company because you alleged there's going to be, there was going to be fine. And here we are. And it's not, I'm sorry, sir. You're right. Uh, you're, you're the one that's, um, you know, had to deal with this hot weather and I'm terribly sorry that your family's been inconvenienced and that you've been inconvenienced. And we do appreciate that you chose us for this service. And, um, you know, let me take a look and, and I'll do everything I can to, to make it right for you. Uh, well, somebody's got to make it right, Sandy, because at this point, I mean, I've, I got the AG on speed dial because, you know, we're, we're way outside of the bounds of what this contract was supposed to be. Yep. And you know what? You have every right to be upset. And you have every right to, to, to want somebody to fix your air conditioning for you. And we're really sorry about it. Well, I'm glad you're sorry, but here I am still sweating. So what are we going mm -hmm. to do? So um, if I'm a technician and I'm at your house, I'm going to say, hey, where is the air conditioning unit? Let me go take a look at it. <laughs> I'm not going to keep doing this back and forth. I'm going to say, okay. Right. okay. It's getting pretty well, uncomfortable. I, now yeah, you're I mean, on the phone, that would actually be more difficult to deal with on the phone. <laughs> because you're not there where you can take any action. But if you're, if I'm a technician, I'm at the house and I'm gonna say, you know what, sir, I'm really, really sorry. How about you show me that air conditioning unit and I'll, I'll take care of it for you right now. And you know, show me where it's at and just go get to work. And the, th the thing you don't do is discount any thing that they're complaining about because they're angry. They have a right to be angry. You have to let them vent on you a little bit. And that makes things. Okay. That's, it's not that. No, no. <laughs> Please relax. And there's you should have seen the last house I was at. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You think this is bad? Yeah. You uh. never, you never want to um, downplay anything that they're upset about. I mean, it's kind of like equating it in law enforcement. You go to someone's house and you, the cops never get called when people are having great days. You know, we get called when, when it's actually the worst time mm. in someone's life. And so we have to go in and we have to deal with that. So if we can respond and deal with someone on the absolute worst day of their lives and we can use these skills and it brings them down immediately, you guys can do the same thing. You just can't antagonize and you have to make it all about them. They're the most important person here. Everything that happened is your fault. You own it and it, it brings them down almost immediately. Um, Right, it's about de-escalation. De yes, right? de-escalation is the key. And in order to de-escalate, you've got to let them get some of that extra energy out. So you're going to have to let them vent on you a little bit. And, and so it's essentially, um, you know, what that person is doing is they're attacking you. The attack is not going to last that long unless you feed mm -hmm. it. If you feed the attack, it's going to keep going. So if you downplay what their issue is, or if you try to make them feel like, you know, they should suck it up and get over it, you're, you're asking for that attack to get extended. This is the time to just say to yourself, I'm going to let them get their emotional needs met. I'm going to get my emotional needs met every other Friday. <laughs> yeah. And, and sell a nice repair yeah. here. Well, I guess it's a warranty. You ain't selling anything. <laughs> Hurry up and get out of there and sell the next one. <laughs> but 
the thing you have to remember is, especially in any kind of service business, which is what you're dealing with right there, it's a service business. You know, you're providing this service to people and you want them to continue doing business with you. So, you know, the long-term relationship is the most important thing. The in the moment, any kind of satisfaction you could get as a technician in the moment by poking that bear is not going to pay you dividends. It's going to it's going to cause you heartache as the days move forward. So all you have to do is say, okay, mm. I got about 45 seconds to deal with this person. They're going to vent on me. They're going to be upset. I'm going to just be, you know, the, the most understanding person in the world. Apologize profusely. Um, you know, label basically, you know, how terrible you. The time has been for you in the past seven days, and I'm really sorry. And, okay, show me that air conditioning unit. Let's get it fixed. Let's cool you guys down. Make it all about them. It's not about you. Whatever the problem is, even if it's their problem, like, I mean, you're talking to somebody who doesn't technically know air conditioning, except that I don't like it when it doesn't work. I and mean, I'd be just like with that person complaining. Um, but say they, they were responsible for doing something wrong. Say they had a setting wrong or they did something wrong after the technician left that made the air conditioning not work right. So the, air, the, the technician goes in there and they see that it's not something that their technician did. It's something that the person did wrong. It's still the technician's fault. Are you following me? No matter what happens, it's not the, the person's fault. Yep. It's the technician's fault. And you can say that, oh, my gosh, I see here. This right here is done like this. And, um, you know, oh. The, the guy must not have explained it really well to you or something. This is not the way that it should have been. And here, I'm going to fix it for you right now. Boom, there you go. The thing is, that homeowner knows that they're the ones that did that. <laughs> so they're going to be gracious and you're allowing them to save face and not look like an idiot because they had the button set wrong. So you're mm. saving face. You're, t you're taking responsibility for it, even though you know and they know that they, they had the button set the wrong way. That's why the air conditioning wasn't working. They know that. But you're allowing them to save face so it's going to pay dividends later because you doing that for them and helping them feel a little bit better about doing something really stupid like having the button in the wrong direction will pay later when they call you back and they don't call anybody else. It, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you got to be yes. a hero for a second. And you're going to feel a lot better about yourself walking out of that job going, I ate that. I let them have it. Then you will if you... <laughs> See, you did. You had to do this, and then you walk yeah. out beating your chest. It's a, yeah, uh, yeah. It's not something no, you want to get it's, into. It's, it's it's easier to, and this is how I put it with everybody. When you're talking about tactical empathy, they're always right. You're always wrong, because at the end of the day, oh, that's a Derekism. Don't let him hear that or know that I said that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm texting him. Texting I heard him say it on his podcast, and I was like, okay, I charge him a dollar every time he says that at a live event because he says it a lot. Yes, it's a joke. Really? <laughs> he, he, he said that he on did. the Waste No Day. It's one of the first things he said. I was like, ah, oh, he did oh, it. Wow. In fact, I think he said it twice, like towards the beginning. I was like, ah, oh, Derek. I don't know if you guys caught that, but uh, audience, Sandy's an avid listener. There you go. That's right. Oh, she listens every week. It's why she's such Absolutely. a good negotiator. Be informed. You should always be informed. So, Sandy, I mean, fantastic role play there, and thanks for jumping in on that. Um, I didn't hear a lot of mirroring in that, so when would be the best time to bring mirroring? It, like, obviously, that was an escalated situation. The customer is frustrated and annoyed. Like, that, that is a great question there. Like, do you... Do you want to mirror there and let them keep venting until they want to stop? Or do you want to cut it off 
Like, what's the what's the ideal mirroring? Timing mirroring for is that. good when you don't have something to label. I always tell people mirroring is great for gathering more information so that you can actually label something worthwhile because you can do a really surface label. Oh, I'm sorry. You must be so angry about that. That's actually pretty surface. It works. But, um, if you know a deeper issue that you can, you can label, it actually works a little bit better. Um, it seems like you must have had a really rough time being stuck in the house with your family with the weather like it was and with so much heat, you know, that must've been awful. And you get a little bit deeper than just saying, wow, you must be angry about this. So mirroring mm. sometimes in a situation when you have someone attacking you, you have to be careful about that because it comes across as you being kind of like a smart aleck. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's <laughs> a sarcastic, little, oh, you were hot. Oh, you're, I mean, what are you mm. going to mirror in that situation? So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just, just the way you did your voice inflection there was yeah, and, and the thing is, when you mirror, that's how they're going to take it. Yeah, because they're going to say, you're going to mm. say, oh, it was hot. Yeah, it was hot. Like, stupid, my air conditioning's not working. Uh, you're, you're actually adding uh, fuel yeah. to the fire. So, um, in a sales situation, when you're trying to sell an upgrade on an air conditioner or something, maybe mirror that. Because if they say, well, you know, we have problems at sometimes when, um, you know, Late at night, it starts to get really hot upstairs. Really hot? Like, in other words, tell me more about what you mean by really, what is really hot to you? Is kind of what that says without you having to ask that question. So um, using it in that situation would make more sense as opposed to trying to mirror somebody when, they're, when their rational thinking is out the window and their emotions are high. That's just going to spark them a little bit. Probably not the way you want to go. So let's try that one, Sandy. So, hey, Sandy, I, I've been looking over the options here and... You know, I know you really talked highly about adding this widget onto our HVAC system, and I'm just not sure now's the right time. The right time? Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, the economy's not doing well. I'm, I'm, I look at the markets on a regular basis. You know, there's a lot of uh, instability in things. And I mean, we're talking about a lot of money here. So it just, it gives me some trepidation. You know what I mean? Okay, so see, I know you want me to mirror, but I wouldn't mirror there. <laughs> I would say it, it seems like you're a little worried about um, the cost behind doing this upgrade. And I get them to talk yeah. more about that. So you, you, you said that you stopped right there with the mirroring because you want because more. Because I already know where I'm going. You want more info. I already on know where I'm going. I, 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 okay. I, I mirrored the time, but because only because I knew that he was talking about time as a not as a time like time of day or time of year but more time like the time at hand and economics are probably bad so and that's where he went exactly where i expected him to go with uh, economics and so right then i've already found the motivation for what he's saying his motivation is the money it's too expensive mm. so instead of having a five minute more conversation trying to get more information i already know what the issue is i've already uncovered the motivation the motivation is it seems like um you're worried about the cost of this upgrade because that's what you're going to say. And the first mirror was so natural. And like, you, you could just hear me like, I mean, that's how I felt like, Oh, well she stopped talking. So obviously I need to explain more. And it was like, you were asking me why without asking me why. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah. And that's part of what a mirror does for you. Um, it encourages the other side without you having to make them feel interrogated. 
Because a lot of times people, to get information, they want to ask questions and questions and questions and more questions. And especially, Nate, you would hate that because you're an analyst. So <laughs> analysts hate to be asked direct questions. Labels and mirrors are the way to go with those kind of people. Because if you ask them questions, they feel interrogated and they don't like to answer, especially yes or no questions. Um, because that's a definitive thing. And you're like, no, I need time to think about that. I don't want to give you an answer yet. <laughs> so... You know, when you're dealing with somebody like that, the last thing you want to do is keep asking them direct questions. And since you don't know when you're going to these people's houses and you don't know what kind of personality type they are or what they would prefer, labels, mirrors, dynamic silence work on all three personality types. It doesn't matter. Then you're not asking questions. You're just using labels and mirrors. And, you know, you can get to the bottom of what you want with a quick mirror. And if you're listening on the right level... And that's what happened there was I was listening to you on a very deep level. So I was listening to you trying to figure out what the motivation was. Motivation is cost. So I went right there. If you're listening on an appropriate level in any conversation, you're going to find motivations. You're going to find the why behind what's thinking, what's happening on the other side without having to ask so many questions and without having to make this conversation take 20 minutes. You can finish it in two. Well, I'd love to spend another 20 minutes on that, but we do have to keep moving here, unfortunately. So that was that was one part of the three-part equation. Uh, tell us what uh, the second part is. So labels are those things, they're basically verbal observations. So it's whatever you're observing in someone's actions or what they're saying, or my favorite thing is what they're not saying. So for me, in that situation that you just did, what you were not saying was that it was cost prohibitive for you. So for me, I point out that negative. Seems like the problem is with the cost because that's the negative that you're holding on to. So if I demonstrate that I understand that negative by labeling it, you can kind of let that go because now I get it. So it's not something that you're going to keep using as a pushback because now you get that I understand that it's the cost. And then we can move on to if there's something we can do about that. So with a label, you're going to ask me a question. Well, do you know what a water softener is? I mean, I think so. I probably wouldn't know one if you, if oh, you, goodness. Can we get a plumber if you sat it too? in front of me. I'd be like, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, okay. Uh, water heater. You know what a water heater is. I know is. what a water heater is. Yes. Okay. And now you're just being condescending, okay. Nate. Knock it's it okay. off. I won't stand for it. It's okay. I'm chilling with it. It's okay. There <laughs> <laughs> it goes. All right. Uh, so you're saying that labels will be used to help identify what the, the actual reasoning is behind a choice, right? Yes. Yes. All right. So, hey, Sandy, you know, I appreciate the fact that you want to look out for my family and, uh, you know, or hot water. Obviously, we all care deeply about taking hot showers and that's something very nice. I'm just not quite sure that <clears throat> uh, you said that the water heater age is it, our water heater has kind of reached like a, a normal age limit. And I can't say that I've really felt anything different. Um, so I'm not quite sure I would agree with you that now's the right time for replacement. So it seems like you're okay with the way the water heater's functioning at the moment. Well, I can't say that it's it's functioning any differently than it did yesterday or, or five years ago. So I mean I know it's a mechanical piece of equipment, so it has an it has a you know, an end life at some point, but um it seems to be working just fine. So it looks like maybe there's um, a reason why you're not yet ready to replace it. Well, it is a lot of money. I do have to tell you that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's some money that I wasn't expecting to spend on a water heater. 
Okay, so see at this point, I wouldn't label again. I would just say we could look at some options and see which one may be able to fit with your finances and go with it that way. Um, I think just based on some of the stuff that you guys are telling me now, it seems like the cost prohibition of things is something that you run up against a lot. So as, Every long, day. As, yeah, as long as your technicians are prepared to deal with the pushback on the cost and, and not be afraid to talk about it, because that's what gets them. People start talking about the cost and like, oh my gosh, they really can't afford that's this. It. I don't want to say yeah. anything to them about it. So then what you say instead is, so it seems like the cost uh, of this new appliance or this new water heater um, might be what's holding you up. And but you, you do it very, you're not like, so it seems like the cost is the issue. I mean, you don't want that kind of attitude. You want to, oh, so it seems like, you know, the the cost may be the main issue, you know, the, re, the replacement cost being so high. And then let them say, yeah, that's, that's, I'm kind of looking at that. And you can say, okay, well, would you, no oriented question. Would you be against us looking at some different options to see which one may be affordable for you? That. Right. And, and the label sure. there is what specifically for, for that situation, the label is cost and you're calling that out. You're calling that out because the negative, the negative that they're holding on to the why behind them holding back from committing to whatever service you're giving them is the cost. And if that's what it is and you say, it seems like the cost may be something that you you're concerned about. So you use mirroring to dive in, get a little deeper, get a little deeper, get a little deeper until you finally achieve label status. Now, mm -hmm. for those of us who are, uh, you know, not 20 year veterans of doing these types of things, uh, are there some cautions that we should be careful about? And how do we know when we've actually reached label status and it's time to stop and then call it a label? <laughs> I'm going to give you the, the million dollar answer. It depends. Um, ah. <laughs> yeah, I know it, you heard that. It depends. Too. <laughs> it depends. It does depend. Um, the thing <laughs> is, there's no script for using this stuff. It's predicated on what the other side is giving you. So when you're having this conversation and you're, you're looking at, okay, these people need a new water heater and to figure out how to make this happen. You need to start thinking from one, thinking from their perspective and two, listening to what they're saying, because if they're telling, they're giving you a lot of information that you're missing. If you're not listening, if you're not watching them, because if you're trying to sell, see, this is why I can't do visual because this is not a visual thing, but if they have a look on their face, it's like, Oh, I don't know about that. And you can see hesitation. Yeah. No, we all know so that. Then you say, it seems like you're a little hesitant to, to go. Brian experiences that this. look every time he sees a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> No hesitation there, buddy. I'm going in. You guys are funny. So everything you do is predicated on the information that you get. You can't get good information if you're not, If you, first of all, if you're stuck up in your own head and you're so worried about what you're going to say, you're missing everything that's being said on the other side. That's one of the biggest issues we hear from people is that they miss everything. So you don't need to be really cautious about mislabeling. You can make that educated guess. Um, Anybody that's been in any kind of science class in school and they've been told, yeah, come up with a hypothesis. It's just an educated guess. So you're watching the situation, you're listening to what they're saying, and you're making your best educated guess about what their issue is. So you put that, that label out there. If, it's, if you're wrong, it's okay. They're going to correct you. One of our laws of negotiation gravity says the, the urge to correct is irresistible. People cannot wait to tell you how wrong you get things. It's just a human nature thing. So they can't wait to tell you how wrong you got it. And 
then they tell you what the real thing is. So you get information. As long as you don't argue with them about it, you're good. So they tell you, um, you know, no, I'm not feeling this way. It's not, oh, it's not that. It's not the cost. It's this instead, or it's the time. I don't want to have to wait so long for you to do it or whatever. Say they say it's not the cost. Okay, fine. If they say it's not the cost, then, then, then try to go in a different direction. Um, your underlying gut as a technician should tell you that it's probably the cost. Maybe they don't want to admit that it's the cost, but if they tell you it's not the cost, then try to go somewhere or some other way. Um, but they will correct you. If they correct you, it's fine. Take that information. It's new information that you had that you didn't have five minutes ago and you move forward. Um, now the third part of this is dynamic silence. It should be the easiest skill to use. Believe it or not, it's the hardest because for people to just shut up, just for whatever reason is really difficult. So after you use a mirror, after you use a label, you need to be quiet. You need to just stop. And to be clear, this is the technician part of the quiet, yes. not the customer. <laughs> yes, it's the technician. It's And, and th the thing that's bad is people who, um, like, I mean, say you have a technician who's a great technician, but he's not a good salesperson. So he's going to be really nervous, or she, whoever it is. It's going to be really nervous when, you know, they go out to do this and they feel like they have to push the sale, they have to push the, the, the upgrade or whatever. They're going to feel really uncomfortable about that. Silence is going to be harder for the technician that is more nervous with the sales. Because when you get more nervous, what you do, you just start talking. You start talking because you don't know what else to do. And the person is not going to talk as long as you're talking, which means they can't tell you no. So you're just going to nervous chatter and it doesn't get you anywhere. So a lot of people really have to practice with the dynamic silence. You really have to okay. focus on skill, go quiet. Sandy, how do we how do we practice dynamic silence? I mean, is this something we can do in the grocery line when we're we're at the checkout, or or when the when the dentist issues us a bill, can we just look at it and wait for them to explain it to us? Like, how do we practice dynamic silence? Dynamic silence, and this is probably why it's one of the more hard or more difficult skills for people to work on because how do you practice being quiet? I mean, how, you know, that's hard. What you have to practice doing is. Practice being quiet after you use the skill because that's when it's the most important. Earlier when we did that exercise and I labeled time, something about time for you, I didn't say anything. And you sat there for a second and you started talking. In your mind, your mind computed, okay, she's not going to say anything else. So I'm going to keep talking. And that's what your human nature did for you. That's what it does for people. But you have to give them that silence. Silence... Um, Silence is, and I'm going to tell everybody right now, go read our blog posts because there have been two or three good blog posts that have come out recently about silence and how important it is and how it's absolutely necessary after our skills because if you don't give somebody silence after using one of our skills, they can't process. They have to have, you know, two seconds at least to process what you just said. And if you start talking immediately after that, you're, you're, you're ruining their thought process that should be happening after the skill you use. So practice mirror, practice label, practice being silent after that. So if you want to do it in the grocery store, that's fine. You go, go up to the person. It's one of my favorite things to do is talk to the people. Like if you go to Target and you go to check out, that poor person has probably been there for hours and the people in front of you and the people behind you are going to treat that person like crap. They're going to throw their card at them or whatever they do and walk away. Yeah, yeah, thanks. They, they're completely disregarded as people sometimes. So I watch while I'm in line and I see what the person in front of me does. 
I see how the, the cashier is reacting. And when I get up there, I label the dynamic. Either, wow, seems like it's been really busy in here today. And they just go talking. I've got someone's whole life story in probably less than five minutes one time as she's checking out my thing because I labeled her. Because no one ever talks to them. So they're the perfect people to practice on. Grocery stores, Target, the Walmart, or whatever, wherever it is that you go. And that sounds horrific. <laughs> yes, not something that Nate would be a big fan of, I can see. No. no. <laughs> and, and Nate and I travel together pretty often, and he's like blown away by random conversations with strange. I'll look at his face after having a random conversation with a stranger, and he's like, How did you, like, how did that even happen? <laughs> it's great and it's the perfect way to practice so Brian if you're doing it I'm glad you're doing it because one of the things that people complain about in using our skills is that they feel awkward and they feel like whoever they're talking to knows what they're doing well, well hang on nobody ever said that Brian was practicing silence let me tell you he is not <laughs> oh no I do struggle with that <laughs> he's an accommodator That's, why are you surprised with this right. <laughs> he's chatty Cathy right um when, when you go out and you random conversations with strangers, I love that. That's a whole thing. You should start taping it. Um, you, you can use the skills and having random conversations with strangers is the best way to practice because you know they don't know what you're doing because they don't know you. Now, a lot of coaching clients that I have will say, um, you know, well, I'll have four sessions. That's a typical four sessions with them. And by session three, they're, they're saying, you know, I started you know, talking to my wife about this stuff. And she said, stop using that stuff on me. And I told her I wasn't doing anything. I said, well, why'd you lie? You, you are doing something. You're practicing new communication. So you just lied to her, which, which then makes her feel like she's being manipulated. I said, so why would you do that? Just be honest. Yeah. You know what? I'm learning these new skills. It's a whole new communication technique. Um, it's great. You should check it out. Look at this. Um, you know, it, it's helping me be a better communicator. And then ask them to actually help you practice it because then it gets you into, you know, talking together. I've had so many clients tell me, you saved my marriage because I told them, you know, start using the skills together. It's a, it's a way for you to put your significant other first, listen to what they have to say and let them have their say and then wait because it will be reciprocated. That's what tactical empathy is all about, right? It kind of, you you put it out there first and then they reciprocate because they feel obligated at that point. It's a, it's a reciprocity game. Hmm. And one of the best ways that everyone can test reciprocity is if you go to the mall, you open up that outer door, hold it open for somebody and they walk through and they hold the next door open for you. Because it's a, it's a human nature social obligation that when you hold the door for someone, they feel like they have to hold the door for you. So try that out. I mean, <laughs> that I told my daughter this and then her and her friends started playing mall games. And so they'd run out there and they'd open the door and see, to run up to open the door for someone just to see what would happen. Because I also told them, when the person walks through, they're going to open the door for you. However, if they don't, it's going to be for one of two reasons. One, they're going to stand there and wait for you to open the door for them because they're narcissists and have total entitlement issues and they expect you to open the door for them. <laughs> or they're going to open the door and walk through and let it slam in your face or shut right on you. Those are the sociopaths and whichever way they go in the mall, you don't go that direction. You go the other direction. So it's the, it's the, the, the mall door game. 
Um, but it just kind of shows you how reciprocity it's, it's, it's something that happens in someone's brain because now they feel like they owe you and people don't like to owe you. So they will reciprocate as quickly as possible. And that's what you see with these skills too, because you demonstrate an understanding for what, um, you know, the other side is feeling and you're respecting their venting or whatever they need and they will return the favor. It's just, it's, it's just the way it happens. So maybe I'm missing it here, Sandy, but you know, in our world, I would tend to think that most of our technicians, plumbers, and electricians feel, they feel like they are charging money. They're doing a service. And I don't know that charging money counts as reciprocity because it's like an expected exchange. So if, if I'm a technician, a plumber, an electrician, how does that methodology fit into my in-the-home scenario because I'm, it's a service at charge, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm not doing it. This isn't a barter, you know, I'm not coming in there and be like, Hey, I'll fix your water heater. If you fix the tire on my car, like we're in there to charge money. And in fact, we're in there to, in most cases to charge a lot of money, uh, way more than the client expected to pay at that time. So if that's the case, how does that reciprocity piece function? Reciprocity is not always about what they're going to give you in the moment. So, I mean, you're charging people. The reciprocity for you comes when you get their repeat business. Okay. So, it's okay, on so how you frame it. And, and what, what am I required to do if I'm a tech? What am I required to do so that they feel a need for repeat business? People will go with the business that made them feel the best. Sometimes, even if it's not the best as far as price goes, but if they felt heard and understood by you and their, their issues were addressed without making them feel like they were a burden or that they're stupid for having the issues or not understanding the issues, all of those things frame a person's thoughts and feelings about you. And if they're positive, they're more likely to come back for that repeat business. I mean, so depending on what kind of company that you have, or they're more likely to refer because if they like you, they're going to say, oh my gosh, I have a great HVAC person here. I use these people. They were great. Word of mouth, people passing the card around, people saying, that's the person I did business with. This is who you should call. Uh, that makes all the difference in the world. So reciprocity in your kind of situation, I mean, you don't want the person to have to call you back for new HVAC, you know, two years later, because that means something went wrong. <laughs> um, you know, it could be user error, but it might be equipment and you don't want that. But what you do want is referral business. One of the biggest ways that I think that speaks to me right now, Sandy, is, you know, so much of our world is based upon five-star reviews. And I don't mean the podcast world, although it does. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking about the tech, the technician world, right? So uh, an easy way of making that tit for tat, that this for that scenario with a client is, hey, Sandy, so did I, did you feel like I gave you level 10 service today? See, that's not how I would do it, Nate. I would say, All right, well, see, then, then let's, let's hear the master class. Yeah, because see, you're, you're asking a yes-oriented question. People don't like to say yes. They don't feel protected when they say yes. You're taking away their autonomy. So you either form that in a no question, whereas, you know. Um, what about, is there, is there anything I've done today that makes you think I did not give you a level 10 service? Yeah. 10 level that's, service. That's good. Uh, you could even say, so, um, you know, it, it, it looks like you're okay with the, with the, how the service went today and you're labeling it. 
Um, Isn't that a yes like question though? Okay. It seems like you're okay. No, it seems like it seems like you feel pretty good about the service you received today. And it may be yes oriented, but you're labeling that dynamic. You're labeling that situation. You're not asking them, did you feel good about our service today? It comes across differently. The, it, the words do mean something. Because when you just say, did you feel okay about the service today? It's different than saying, so it seems like you're, because we're doing it with a question in our voice. So it seems like you were okay with the service you got today? And then it's like, yeah, yeah it's I'm, great. I'm concerned. You know what I mean? And so then, and so then I don't know what you want them to do. If you want them to go do a review or. Yeah, I want them to leave a five-star review on Google for me. Mm -hmm. um, so then you say, would it be out of the question for you to consider giving us a five-star review if you were, if, uh, for being happy with our service today or something like that? And there's there's a no or no oriented yes. question there. Yeah, yes. the, the we we train our teams on that a lot. Where you're, we, so we have our our teams are heavily trained to say things like, "Is my truck parked in a good spot before they enter the door? Do you mind mm -hmm. if I put my floor my floor protectors on and come in?" And we've been training them since Chris was on, and since we really dove into the Black Swan Group training to say, "Is there any issue with where my truck's parked?" But yeah. what we don't train is, would it be out of the question to dot, dot, dot? That's, a, that's one more awesome way mm -hmm. to phrase it that I never think about. I think all my people on, uh, on your newsletter, at least. So I'm a big <laughs> yeah. proponent of making everything we say something they can feel, like making it visceral. Um, <clears throat> so would it be out of the question? Um, would I be asking too much? Um, would it be impossible for you to consider doing this? I mean, would it be an inconvenience? Yes. Would it be a complete inconvenience for you to do whatever? Um, so, you know, the, the more the more varied ways you can come up with those no-oriented questions, they sound less robotic. Would it be too much trouble? Yeah. Would it be too much trouble? Would it be too much to ask? It's yeah. a good one too. Would it be too much to ask for you to leave the five-star review or whatever? Um, I will say that people will be more likely to do it if they really like you. Um, now, I have someone who comes out and sprays the exterior of my house. I forget what the name of the company is. I'm not, I don't want to say it anyway, but um, they come out and spray once a month the outside of my house when the weather's warm because I don't like ants and other things coming in my basement. So I get that done. Well, the guy that came today was amazing. He was just very friendly. Um, you know, he spoke to my dog. He didn't have to. I mean, she's the size of a polar bear. Most people are intimidated by her, but he spoke to her. He was really nice. I, and I even said, look, I've seen some ants. I said, they're not up by the house at the end of the driveway, but, you know, and I haven't seen them going towards the house, but they kind of give me concern. He was like, I can take care of that for you. So he sprayed for the first time ever today because he would, and not that he was any more friendly than anybody else, but he kind of went out of his way to have a conversation with me. And the other guys have all been nice and great. But this guy just made an impact because of that, because he just had a conversation with me. And when they sent that text basically saying, would you rate our service for the first time ever? And this, I've had this contract for over a year now. I went and filled out a, a, a good review for him because he made an impact on me. So you don't have to be this over the top ridiculous person, a simple conversation. You walk in and you see that they're watching TV. Pay attention to what's on the TV and say, oh, it looks like whatever, whatever is happening today. I mean, whatever. I mean, point out something that's outside of the job that you're there for that you notice about them that demonstrates that you're paying attention to them. Yeah. Brian would be like, oh, I love this episode of Days of Our Lives. <laughs> is that still a thing? Days of Our Lives? <laughs> 
I don't Brian's know. Brian's like, how dare you? We have stuff to do. They sit around and watch TV during the day. We don't know what's on stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea either. I'm not a daytime soap person, but... Um, so Sandy, I mean, one of the things that I think uh, I would struggle with and, and perhaps, you know, some less well-trained people would be timing. When When is it time to give that silence? Because if you, well, I should ask, if we, if we misstep on the timing, like if we, we go silent too early or we, we talk too much and then go silent too late, does that affect it? Or is that another one of those things where, hey, even if you mislabel it, you still gave it a, a best guess. So even if you, even if you miss, miss time the, the, the silence piece, it's still okay or not? I think, I think you shouldn't overthink it. That's the biggest mistake that people make. Um, you know, they get overly concerned about how exactly to frame this or frame that or say that when really the most important thing when you're going into this and you're talking about tactical empathy is your mindset. Because if you're making it all about the other side, if you're making them feel important, if you're making them feel understood and heard, you're going to get to tactical empathy um, by being likable, um, you know, by by being concerned, by being friendly, you're, you're going to manage to get some tactical empathy in there without having to use every single one of our skills. The skills are there because that's what's going to get you there faster. Okay. The skills are there as strategy for you to use to actually be able to get you to tactical empathy very easily. You can do it in a regular conversation. If you focus all on the other side and you make it less about you and you listen more than you talk. That's how I got good confessions. Because if you talk all the time, you're not getting any information from the other side. So if you practice listening more than you're talking, you get much more information that way. It makes sense, Sandy. Uh, it's, it's not a difficult concept, in at least to understand. Mm -hmm. And yet for so many people who are are trying to be good communicators and spend their days talking to clients and all that it is a difficult concept to employ right and so and hence hence the practice right it practice yes but let me give you the levels of listening really quickly if you're if you're not opposed to that um there are five of them level one is listening for the gist of the conversation and then going back into your own internal narrative Okay, it's kind of like when you assume you know what someone's going to say, so you don't bother listening. That's level one. Level two is what I call the marriage killer. Because it's the listening until you hear what you think the problem is, listening until you hear whatever it is you want to argue about, and then cutting off the listening, and then just going in with the information afterwards. Okay, that's, that's, that's that listening for rebuttal. That's level two. If you can get past both of those levels and get to level three, which is like listening for their internal logic, which is like why what they're saying makes sense to them, why they're doing what they're doing, um, you know, what is their motivation behind this? What's their thought process here? If you can get to that and just ask yourself, why is this happening? That's all the part of staying curious that we talk about. If you can stay there, you're in good shape. Now there's a level four and a level five that level four, you get to that emotion and logic behind the why that gets deep. Level five is where we always had to be when we were doing a hostage situation, because you have to be at that total empathetic listening where you're listening for everything. Um, everything that's going on with them, every single cue they're giving you, you want their whole worldview, all the emotions that go with it. That's difficult. 
It's hard to maintain and you're exhausted when you're done. The longest negotiation I did was almost 10 hours. 10 hours. A 10-hour sale. Like we we're we really are like spent when when you get home especially from a from a day in in the skilled trades when you say run four maintenance calls and you try to sell four things and you don't and you spend 90 minutes with each person you are wiped out way more than if you sold a huge job and did it in a crawl space all day i can't even imagine what 10 hours of 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 like i don't know what's on the line in that particular situation yeah. but probably justice at least this person had just shot his girlfriend and sat the baby outside on the front step and then barricaded himself in the house and so i was on the phone with him for 10 hours and and then they made me then they made me leave because you can only i mean they probably should have made me leave earlier honestly but we had to get another team in place to take over for us so i was on with him that whole time until the next team got in place and that's when they pulled me out um it didn't end well um, and Derek was my commander at the time and I'll never forget him saying to me, um, it's not about what the bad guy chooses to do. Mm. It's basically that everybody else went home safe today. The only person that ended up in a not good place was the bad guy and it wasn't anything we did. It was his choice. Mm. So, you know, <laughs> tough for me to live with at first, but you know, I had to eventually understand that, yeah, he made that decision. I didn't make that decision. Um, the thing he did do for me was he waited till he and I were no longer on the phone. We talked for so long. We had a nice little bond going um, to the point where at one point he, he wasn't saying anything. So I just kept talking and I would go silent and he still wouldn't say anything. So I just keep talking. And finally he said, you talk a lot. <laughs> wow. And I said, yeah, that's what my husband says too. <laughs> and we both laughed. So, you know, we had, we had, and this, he was, this was not a nice guy. I mean, he was not a good guy, but he and I formed this little bond through my use of tactical empathy to the point where he was bonded to me so much That's, that he would not take his life with me. It's on very, the phone it's bittersweet. Like he waited until the next guy came on and it took you, seven minutes. Yeah. You want to, I want to be grateful to the guy it's, for the yeah small it's a hard mercy, pill to swallow but, let me tell you you know the girlfriend didn't get the mercy and it's tough no it's she did sweet. she did she didn't die she didn't live but there was no mercy there and it just you know it's it's difficult when you put that much effort into something and then you just see it blow up the second you walk away from it and then you second guess yourself for the longest time about oh what if i'd done this what if they just left me on the phone there's all these what ifs um, but you're exhausted. <clears throat> you're completely exhausted. It wears you out. And that's level five listening. You can't maintain that. It's not something that you can maintain. But you can maintain a level three. And then when you get in the middle of something really serious, you can pop to level four or five if you need to for a little bit and then come back down to that level three. But if you start practicing your listening by paying more attention to the other side and what's going on on the other side and why they're thinking or feeling the way they're thinking or feeling half your battle will be won because they're going to be giving you all the information you need. If you just pay attention. That must be so difficult. Uh, I'm trying to play, put myself in that place where you're, you're getting on an emotional level with a horrific person. And like, I, I mean, how did you deal with separating the emotions of like laughing at a joke together with somebody that had just murdered somebody? Like, I, I don't know that yeah. I, I, I struggle to understand that. It's, um, it's a job. It's a mindset. I mean, you, 
I mean, we think about it, I worked sex crimes too. And so I dealt with victims all the time that had been, you know, brutally assaulted. And so being able to cut off from that and just see it as a job and then go home to my three daughters, you know, it's, (laughs) it's, um, yeah. And you have to learn it's a, there's a fine line you draw for yourself and you don't never the two shall meet. Um, you know, I worked youth sex and abuse cases and I was pregnant with my third daughter and I realized she is, she's never going to leave the house if I stay in this position, which is why I left and went to burglary. And then, you know, she got to be three or four and she started going to school and I thought, all right, I can handle it now. So then I went into adult sex crimes and a little different world. But, um, but you, there's, there are things you have to come up with much like you handle your triggers when you're dealing with somebody in a, just a difficult conversation, you have to learn how to separate out, you know, getting emotionally involved. And it's funny because you can never turn off your emotions. Emotions are there. They're always there. And you can't just all of a sudden decide that you're not going to be emotional because emotions factor into every decision you make in your life. Even when you try and say they're not going to, they always do. Emotions are always there, which is why when you're dealing with someone and if you're a technician going to someone's house, um, you have to think about where the fear is coming from because you can't address someone and speak to them about logical things that you need to talk to them about if they're holding on to fear about the situation. So for a lot of people that your technicians are dealing with, they're dealing with the fear of um, economic devastation of replacing an entire HVAC system because it's 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 extremely expensive. So the fear is if I do this, I better not have anything else go wrong in my life mm. and no vacations for two years or I'm not going to be able to afford to, to replace this HVAC system. Your technicians need to understand that fear is the single biggest driver of human decision-making and behavior. So when you think about it that way, what do they fear? What are they afraid of? They're afraid of this being so expensive that they can't do it. They're also afraid that if they don't do it, especially if you're looking at someone with a family and they're thinking, but I can't have my whole family living here with a heating and air conditioning system that doesn't work. So there's a lot of things tied into that that are emotional. And so it's not just about trying to get them to buy this system. It's dealing with the fear that's associated with buying that system or not buying that system. There's fear tied up in every end of that. And that's an emotion. And in order to get that person on an even keel where they can think about that, you need to demonstrate an understanding about that. Oh, I know this is something that's extremely expensive. I know it's an extremely hard decision to, you know, to, to contemplate however you want to put it. You need to demonstrate that you understand the enormity of what they're dealing with. And that's going to make all the well, difference. Since, yeah. And I, I appreciate what you're saying. And I would agree with that. And in certain situations where uh, it's desperation decisions, you know, the water heater is definitively dead. The HVAC system is absolutely dead. The electrical panel is absolutely dead. Uh, yeah. A, a lot of fear with, if I don't do this, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. How do you flip that on its head and view it from a different perspective? If, if it is different, when we're talking about upgrades, upsales, optional, um, optional things that you can add that are luxurious or beneficial to your quality of life, mm-hmm. your, your, you know, the feel of your water, the, the electronic air cleaner that purifies the air, the, uh, the ground fault circuit interrupting outlets or the arc fault breakers or whatever that are additional safety features that aren't necessarily required, but mm-hmm. 
you know, could bring a lot of value. So do you view that differently uh, than the, the fear emotions or is, is it the same? It's a little of both um, because it could be the fear of missing out on something that's so much better. But it could also be the, the fear of really wanting this but not being able to afford it. So I think in that situation, what you might be looking at that may be better to get you more information is a couple of calibrated questions. What would it look like for your family if you had these extra safety things on this whatever? And I'm sorry, I'm not technical. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. What, what would it... What would it look like for you to buy an HVAC system that will last for the next 20 years instead of one that you're going to have to replace again in eight years? So, I mean, you, you, you give them that and they basically figure that out in their own mind and sometimes will come right to your conclusion. Um, also, then again, when you start talking about that and you start giving them something where it, it's actually doable for them or something that they really want, it may come back to cost. And that's what you have to keep in mind. And financing options and things like that. It, 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 the technician needs to be well-versed in all that kind of stuff so that they can deal with that situation as it comes up. So right on there, Sandy. And, and we appreciate you so much for covering those three foundational principles for us. If, if some of our technicians and our listeners have feel like they've made some good progress in these areas, they're mirroring well, they're labeling well, they're using that dynamic silence. Where would you say would be the next step or the next focus point for somebody to take their communication and presentation game to another level? Oh, it's so hard. You want me to kind of pick our skills? <laughs> um, we have so many decent things that, that could really work in the situations that your people find themselves in. Um, one thing that comes to mind is the no to questions because that's something that's really, really easy to to you know implement and especially if you have some go-to that you can give your people to use like the ones we talked about a little earlier um, one of the things that might be really beneficial for you guys to learn as technicians is accusations audits those are basically preemptive labels those are labels that um, speak to the negatives before the people have time to say them. So like when you're going up and you know that air conditioner just flopped and you're going to try and fix it and it was done already yesterday, but now it's not working again. First thing you say is, yeah, you're probably really upset with us, um, because this, the system's already breaking down on you. Um, you, you might feel really angry and, and blame the, the technician for doing something wrong. I mean, and those negative things that you know, they're thinking, if you put them out there first, it takes the power away from them. So it's, it would be worth, it would be worth anybody listening to this podcast to go to our YouTube page and listen to some videos on accusation audits. Or episode 100 of the Waste No Day there podcast. There you go. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I highly recommend the YouTube page. All of their trainers are on there with tons of videos. I got to tell you my favorite it's my least favorite, probably social media platform to use, but my favorite one for the black swan group is LinkedIn. You guys put a ton of stuff on LinkedIn. And, uh, I think most, it seems like most of the articles that come through, uh, on the newsletter are also posted on the LinkedIn. So go to LinkedIn and follow black swan group, follow Sandy Hine for sure. And, uh, 
and ask it, questions are, on you, LinkedIn. If you see us post things on LinkedIn, because I know I know there are a few of us. I know I'm one of them. If you if we've posted something and you ask a question underneath, we we always try to answer. So you know, if you want to kind of interact and put a question out there, that might be a way to to do it very easily. Is on LinkedIn. Awesome, love it. Where do they go for the for the newsletter? Uh, BlackSwanLTD.com. It's called the Edge. You just click on the edge and you can see the, the newsletter there. You can actually subscribe if you want to, and they send it to you every Tuesday when it comes out, or you can just go in and read them whenever you want to on the website. But, both. Do both. Yep. But, you know, you, YouTube is, and I'm, it's not one of my favorite f- platforms either, but it is very good when you, you want to help with a specific thing because you can go to the Black Swan page and type in accusations audits and pull it right up and watch one or two videos. I would say if you take five minutes every day, five minutes into your lunch hour, um, you know, first thing in the morning while you're eating your breakfast or having your coffee, look at a couple videos, read a blog post, read a, a few chapters of the book here and there whenever you can, you will build your confidence up the more information you give yourself on it and the more practice you give by looking at our stuff and, and going out there and actually using it. Don't take our word for it that it worked. Go out there and try it because that's what's going to convince you is when you do a couple things and you see how well it works and you're going to go, wow, okay. Practice with your kids. That's what I'm going to tell you because kids are, for one thing, they're like sponges. If you want to teach them how to communicate well, you have to model that. And to model that, if you use our stuff, they're going to start using it, which will make them better communicators. So try that one on for size. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no manipulation. There's no, um, t- you know, bending the truth or twisting or anything. As if, you've, if anyone's heard all the episodes we've done, you know. But if you go there and, and watch their YouTube videos and see what they post, it's all for the betterment of everyone. Like the, Chris Foss's big quote on it is, in a successful no- negotiation, both sides win. Yes. Um, and and they do firmly believe and firmly teach those principles. So I, I can't recommend it enough. I also can't recommend enough, as I say on here all the time, investing in yourself. Um, Benjamin Franklin had a gr- great quote. Or if you, uh, man, I'm going to butcher it, but it was something like, if you if you really want to want to spend money well, if you really want to invest in something pour your purse into your head. And that was a, that's a great quote about investing into yourself. And Black Swan Group has tons of trainings that you can invest in and, and live events and virtual events. And do you guys have any live events coming up? We have, let's see, Derek and I both will be in New York uh, this month in a few weeks. And then I'll be in Salt Lake City in October. And right, that's closer. That's closer. Yeah, I like it. Salt Lake I'm in City Arizona in Arizona now. So here we go. Yeah. Um, we actually have a women's retreat coming up in, Nate, in all over. Park City. <laughs> you guys just rag on each other, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> he was going to say it if it. I didn't. That was just me beating him to the punch. <laughs> he's, he's, he's lagging a little bit. He's a little tired. <laughs> you, you managed to get ahead of him on that one. Um, and we have a, a two-day event, which... You know, you really should do a one-day event before the two-day event until next year when things flip-flop. But, um, yeah, one day in New York City, one day in Salt, in Salt Lake City. And actually, Chris will be at the one day in Salt Lake City with me. So it'll be Chris and I in Salt Lake City. Nice, nice. Um, I can finally get that autographed book. So there you go. See? Um, you know, and it'll be, it'll be Derek and I and two or three other instructors. There's a lot of us in New York this time for some reason. Um, 
uh, it's just a great place to go and there's always a big group of people there so we try to have a lot of us there for new york um but just chris and i in salt lake city and, that and they can go to October. the website and find all that oh yeah you can look under our events on the website and um i would encourage you we just did something we just started something called the learning journey um i did a a virtual tactical empathy presentation that we've got tonality coming up in the next couple of weeks and we have uh, negotiation nine coming up our nine core skills coming up um, and a and a very in-depth quick two plus one sorry I'm bringing the math up again um, the quick two plus one <laughs> um, that <laughs> labels mirrors yeah labels mirrors dynamic silence that one is coming up also and those are very um, affordable they're, I think, around $120, which compared to some of the other stuff we do, which is very expensive, um, is very reasonable. So you can also go and listen to our stuff online and pay like $59 to, 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 to watch something that's already been recorded that we had done before. So there are, there are a lot of affordable options for you. We you know that also, our stuff is expensive. You can actually go on. It's, it's really not. In our industry, getting presentation training is it's not cheap. It's very yeah. expensive. And there, and there, there isn't actually is not a lot of it that's geared toward what we do. And I always recommend that stuff. I'm like, go spend the money and go do it. You're going to spend your money anyway. Um, mm. But this is, a, this is a next level thing for me. You hear me talk about it on the show all the time. And people that I train in person hear me talk about it and recommend this all the time. Nobody's nobody in our space is doing it. So if you want to get if you want to get to another level, get the trainers in our space that everybody uses. If you want to get to yet another level, integrate something like the Black Swan Group's training into what you're doing, and you will be a top-notch communicator from it. Unbeatable, yeah. in my opinion. That is one thing I can say is that people that I've worked with have, have basically come away saying, not only did I increase you know, what I was doing business-wise, my interpersonal communications in my life overall has, you know, that, that, that game has just gone crazy. So, you know, everybody talks about how much better they are and how much better they communicate from learning our skills. But like I said, five minutes a day, watch that YouTube video, read the book, read a blog, every little bit helps. Love it. When is the Sandy Hine book coming out? Sandy Hine book, hopefully is coming out before next summer. I'm, I'm currently working Ooh, on it. I didn't <laughs> currently know that. Yes, currently working on it. Um, um, Chris's thing when I first came on, he said, everyone has to write a book. And I said, I've already written two books. He goes, that, that, they don't count. They're not black swan books. And I'm like, all right, fine. So I'll write another book. But it, it, it's called Empathy, the Great Equalizer. And it basically speaks to the underdog. Um, the, the, the people who um, have not always felt equal for one reason or another. And so they use the skills and it puts them up there. It equalizes everything out. So, you know, if you're someone who feels like nothing ever seems to go your way, you start using some tactical empathy. And we, we talk a little bit in there about how empathy can, can equalize things out for you. And that's, that's, wow. that's my book. Ooh, a cheat code. So yes. I didn't know you were an author already. What what were your two books? I, well, my books were more law enforcement type things. One of them was just a little handbook that I kind of got requested to write for the publisher that I was working for at the time. And the other one is about um, sexual assault cases, my work that I did in sexual assault cases. So okay. they're all, I was just they're, thinking I'd, yeah, I'd love to... <laughs> 
read them, but now I'm, I'm taking a step back from that. <laughs> <laughs> really, um, the, the sexual assault book is basically... Wow, I almost said a how-to book. That's not what I want to say. Cut that part out, Ethan. Um, <laughs> no, sir. You leave not that what in I want to say. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really a, um, a book that talks about how prosecutions go and don't go the way they should and how... I mean, it's called um, Why Are We Blaming Victims Instead of... Or Shaming Victims Instead of Blaming Offenders. And so it, it's it, it's kind of a play on the victim blaming because it's not really like it's not going to do any good to shame offenders. It doesn't do anything good to shame them as much as it does to blame victims. So either way is not a good way to do it. But it just talks about how how hard the cases are to prosecute and the different steps you have to go through. And it, it kind of walks you through everything that has to happen in a sexual assault case and prosecution, investigation and prosecution. So That's awesome. Oh, wait, if I can... If I can help, if if you if you don't end up with that working title for the book you have right now, I was trying to think of episode uh, uh, name for this episode. Okay. The last woman on earth you want to argue with. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I have been told that. <laughs> and maybe underline last. Because I'm, I'm talking to Chris, I'm talking to Brandon Voss, I'm talking to Derek Gaunt, and I'm like, yeah, my wife can take them. I don't think that's going to be an issue for. Her. But now we have a woman who is a highly trained negotiator on top of your natural ability to negotiate, which you all seem to be born with. Women do that well. I'm glad you recognize that. I'm glad your wife is lucky Um, because women do – women – actually, women listen to bond. So that makes their listening level higher, which makes them really good at these skills. It's, mm. it, it all comes back to how well you listen. I keep telling people that no one listens to me, but how well you <laughs> well, listen. Is she yes. Talking, yes. Yes. See, there you go. <laughs> but it's it's because you can't use our skills unless you're listening on a good level because you don't have the information you need to be able to use the skills that are going to make a difference. So you have to listen on a high level. And women tend to listen for different reasons. Not that they're better listeners, but they listen for different reasons, which means they catch a little bit more information. So... That makes perfect sense. And there's been no shortage of information today, Sandy. It's been fantastic. As we wrap up things, uh, the, the, the female, the, the woman thing was a great segue into the final question for you here. As a, as a woman and as a homeowner, mm-hmm. if you could give advice to our industry, I'm sure you've had a plumber or an HVAC guy or an electrician into your house before. If you could get a, give advice to our industry in terms of what makes the difference for you? Because a lot of times our guys are dealing with women. Yeah. Uh, you know, for, for one reason or another, that's just a lot of times who we're dealing with in the home, uh, at least at face value. So speak to that. Take us out on that in terms of what are the things that we in the trade should be focusing on to better communicate, to better empathize, to better do our job when it comes to a female in the home. Don't assume that we don't have any knowledge about what you're doing. Because while I may not know how to put an HVAC system into place, if I know you're coming out to talk to me about that HVAC system, I'm going to do a little research on it. So I'm going to have a little bit of an understanding. So don't, don't talk to me as if I don't understand anything. Um, people have a, and not just, I'm not talking about technicians, I'm talking about people in general, have a, a different view of women and things in the house and what they should and should not know about. So when you come out, 
talk to me as if I'm educated on what you're talking about. Because if I don't know, I'm going to tell you. I have no idea what you're talking about. And then when I say that, don't make me feel stupid because you have to explain it to me. But that doesn't go for just women. You shouldn't be. You should be doing that with everybody. You should be. I mean, why do we call? If I if I knew all about it, I wouldn't need to call you, right? I'm calling you in because I need you to do this for me because I don't know how to do it. So when you come out there, just be matter of fact with me. Talk to me as if I'm a human being. Don't make me feel bad or shame me for whatever my system is. That's not good enough. I mean. You know, anybody working with you guys, just listening to you guys talk, probably doesn't do any of that. But just being respectful, just not not shrugging me off when I ask a question that to you probably seems like a stupid question. Um, you know, go with the, the, the thought that there aren't any stupid questions, really. There's only questions that people need answers to. And stay curious as to why I'm asking you. Um, you're missing a lot of opportunities, especially with women, because... Women are the ones that are probably more likely to get that upgrade, honestly, <laughs> and be less, you know, less pushy about not taking that upgrade or more willing to listen to what you have to say and actually go for that upgrade because they want to trust you. Show them that they can trust you by, one, not manipulating them, influencing them instead. Sound advice to take us out, Sandy. Thank you so much Love for it. being on today. Thank you guys for having me. It was fun. Hey, thank, I know in your guys' neck of the woods, it's a quarter after 10 at night on, <laughs> on a Thursday. And let me tell you, Sandy and Nate, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate both of you sticking with me this late. And, uh, you know, because we got to do this thing when Nate's kids go to bed. So it just is what it is, you know. But uh, <laughs> greatly appreciate you both well, and I'm jumping sorry on about and the, staying so the dog. Sorry about the dog kind of freaking out no a problem bit, whatsoever but, but yeah if it's not no, your you guys, dog it's fun. one of our kids <laughs> we get some Something. distractions so it just gives ethan a little extra work to do i have to keep saying That's his right. name so hi ethan <laughs> practice the skills so, ethan <laughs> for the audience that doesn't know until tonight or uh until this episode releases ethan my 15 year old son is currently doing our editing for us and uh we told sandy that uh in the beginning and she's been Giving Ethan props the whole time. So he's going to love this episode. <laughs> Hopefully he'll leave this some This is much in. better than getting paid, isn't it, Ethan? There you go. See? <laughs> Just tell all your friends. I, I get talked about in this episode. Go listen. <laughs> By the black freaking swan yes. group, bro. The black swan group. <laughs> oh, you guys are great. This has been so much fun. Well, hey, that's a wrap for this podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the show with Sandy. She had so much good advice, and it's just the tip of the iceberg. The Black Swan Group, Sandy, and her entire team over there have so much more to offer. Please make sure you're checking out their their blog, their newsletter, and uh, YouTube. So much training is out there, even for free or for a very economical price. And she, of course, mentions some of the uh, off-site or all-day events that are coming up as well. If those interest you or in your area, please make sure that you're checking those out too. Uh, a lot of great advice today and really simple concepts, mirroring, labeling, and dynamic silence. It's not rocket science, but it is something that you have to work at, practice, and implement into your regular and daily presentation. So we encourage you to do that. We encourage you to always be getting better, to always be focusing on what that next level is for you. And of course, to make sure that you choose to wake up every single morning and waste no day.